0: Mm-hmm.
1: As the uh, San Diego thing, so I'm like trying to read this manifesto yeah. before we go live. All it's right. like, guys, like it's not what you think it is. It's not what you, uh, yeah, you, you know.
0: Yeah, people don't read. That's the problem. Yeah. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we are rolling into another episode of the Candace Owen Show. What do men think about modern feminism? What do men think about women in general in this day and age, in the age of Tinder, in the age of dating apps, in the age of social media? Here to discuss all things women with me is, of course, Michael knows
1: Makes perfect sense. <laughs> because I, I, If I'm now allowed to compete in women's sports at colleges and high schools, I think I'm allowed to discuss feminism, right? It's is that how right. it works? It's my right. It is your right. And, <laughs> it's your right. And frankly, I'm a little upset at the entire audience that just assumes that I'm a man. I know because I have an Adam's apple and a deep voice. Just how dare they? No, you a know? lot of
0: people that watch my show do misgender, mm-hmm. and I just thought it would be healthy for us to have this dialogue to give you an opportunity to speak mm-hmm. about women's issues.
1: I appreciate that. Right. So my preferred pronouns are honey and darling. <laughs> <laughs> they are
0: well, honey. Yeah. <laughs> welcome to the Catison Show. Uh, thank
1: you. It's great to be here. I love your set.
0: Oh, so thank you very much. This is my this is my man cave. So you are kind of always in trouble, which I enjoy. Mm-hmm. I love I it because be. you write these super thoughtful pieces that make sense, which means <laughs> that you should be in trouble all the time. And my favorite was on Twitter watching AOC get really mad at you because you're white, obviously, mm-hmm. and you're Republican, right. and you came for her um, and started discussing things about her and her ideas, which is not allowed because you're white.
1: That's right, and you know the funny thing about AOC, by the way. So she pretends to be Jenny from the Block. she? Says, <laughs> she's from the bronx or queens or something she and i grew up in the towns right next to each other she actually grew up in the slightly more affluent town in the already very affluent county of westchester We, we grew up in the suburbs at the exact same time we're the same age and now i admit that and she goes around pretending to be you know from the hood or something like that this is a this is indicative of a bigger problem in politics which is you you have the left increasingly living in this fantasy. You have the left increasingly living, not, not just in the fantasy of privilege and victimhood and grievance. They've added a grievance adversity score to the SAT. But the place that this absurdity comes out the most is when the left talks about gender. I mean, we are now, I think you're you're probably about to be deplatformed from Facebook. But while you're still on Facebook, (laughs) there are 56 genders that you can choose from.
0: Oh, on Facebook? On Facebook. I didn't know that.
1: Well, last I checked, it's probably 58 since I came into the studio this morning. And (laughs) there was a poll out, a survey of millennials. Over 50% of millennials believe that there are more than two genders.
0: That is terrifying. That is terrifying. Over 50%? percent they crazy. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, we don't normally do this, but you can actually win a Candace Owens Show Cup if you can name all 56 of them.
1: Oh, I'm a, This is a great-looking cup. Let me <laughs> see. I think there's male, female, Sicilian, tennis racket. I think I've already gone <laughs> off track somehow.
0: (laughs) No, it is. You know, it it actually is a bit scary. It's really scary that people think that not only that there are 56 or 58 genders, but that you can choose your gender every single day. And what I say is that what we're seeing happening on the left increasingly is they're actually giving people mental disorders, right? Mm -hmm. So when you you look to a small child, they're they're trying to work out the world they don't know what's what they literally don't understand the concept of gravity most children think they can fly that's why they're jumping off of couches scraping their elbows scraping their knees um and yet you have the left which is trying to assign uh severity to their thoughts and their ideas like i mean i said the most ridiculous thing watch any video of a child everything that comes out of their mouth they'll say that they're a mermaid they'll say that they're a fish and it's so instant their imagination is like whatever they watch on tv instantly becomes reality for them
1: you know there was a Story out of the UK where two parents had a seven-year-old son and they decided to dress their seven-year-old son up as their seven-year-old daughter because they said he's transgender. So they send him to school wearing little dresses. The administrators say, please stop sending your son wearing little dresses. This is really <laughs> weird and it's upsetting the other students. So the parents say, no, he's transgender. Okay, now what it look, transgender dysphoria affects 0.2% of the population. At most 0.3, 0.4. There's a very, very, very small chance that this little kid has this problem. Let's say that he does. It then turns out that another one of their kids has transgender dysphoria. So again, you'd say, gosh, what are the odds? 0.2 for one, 0.2% for the next one. Here's the kicker. The other kid isn't their biological child. Wow. It's a foster child, 3 years old, and they are transitioning him. A third foster a second foster child, third child in their house also experienced gender issues. This is clearly not just a psychological or medical phenomenon. This is a major cultural phenomenon.
0: It's mathematically phenomenon. impossible. It's
1: not, possible it's not possible for it to be that case. And it is for for this generation. I mean, it's easy to make jokes about the 56 genders and everything. You're talking about millennials and Gen Z as the most stressed out anxious, depressed, suicidal generations in American history. The The New York Times, which like a broken clock is right twice a day, dubbed us the antidepressant generation. One in six Americans are hooked on antidepressant pills. One in 20 teens are hooked on those pills.
0: Millennials or Gen Z? Je, uh,
1: well, for the teens, it's Gen Z, or I guess even a little younger. We're talking about people who are age 12 to age 17. Suicide rates among teenagers are up 70%. This is not just psychological. This is cultural and philosophical. And what it comes down to is a culture that cannot accept objective reality. Structure. When I was, I, uh, you know, you do these campus lectures. I do these campus lectures. I was at University of Missouri, Kansas City. And I was invited there by a conservative group to give a speech. The topic of the speech was, men are not women. That's, that's the speech. I could have given a speech on the sky is blue. Right. Could right. have given a speech on two plus two equals four. Right. I go there and give this speech. From the minute I showed up, shrieking protesters, drowning out. The other people in the room couldn't hear a word. This goes on for 20 minutes. Eventually some masked Antifa thug busts in, sprays me with some weird smelly chemical. They drag him out. The next day the chancellor of the university didn't apologize to me. He apologized to the students that I was there. He smeared me as some sort of bigot and he said that my opinions did not reflect the values of a public university in America. My opinion, that men are not women. That's a cultural madness. That's, that's that's that, yeah, meaning. I mean
0: that. That to me, like it's a. It's funny, right? It's yeah. funny. <laughs> objectively, it is it's It's objectively funny, just because I, I always try to imagine, like if aliens were just watching us, like <laughs> just overlooking and being like, they would just look down and be, what the hell is wrong with this planet? <laughs> Seriously, what? Imagine if we were just watching dogs, right? Like it's like it, it's it's really bizarre, just just like try to extract yourself from the situation and look objectively about what what we're going through as mm-hmm. a society men are not women this is an objectifiable truth this is an objective truth this should not be anything that is disputed This should not cause anybody to show up in protest it shouldn't make anybody angry men are not women and yet you're going through that so a it's funny but B it's really sad and it's also c, very sinister mm-hmm. it's yes. very sinister yeah. because at the core of it is that what the left wants to do is break down structure they, they don't want there to be any structure, and what it creates is mass confusion. And I genuinely believe that mass confusion, and when you have a society that doesn't have structure, that leads directly to depression. When you do not have structure, when things don't make sense, that leads to depression. Depression can be act out via anger, right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes people that are acting out, it's because they don't have structure, whether that be it in the home, outside of the home, and now we're seeing it permeate within the school system. So where at once, you could have people that didn't have structure at home who were going through things, who could go, to, to go to school and feel like that, okay, well, this makes sense, right? Everything in school makes sense. So there's I have a some purpose structure. Here, there's There's a some purpose. logic. Now, it's just everyone's crazy. Everyone's crazy. And God forbid you're a person who's in there that's sane.
1: Well, th- this is getting back to gender. This is an issue that just came out. The New York Times had to publish it. They, I think they were choking as they had to write this article. There was a study that came out which showed that the happiest women in America are religious conservative wives shocker. Shocker. I know right. it's sho- right. shocking right. to everybody. The sky know, is blue. At the New York Times. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it found that by far the happiest wives are conservative and religious. The next happiest are actually left-wing and secular. By, you know, way down. It's a distant second. And then the people who just lived in mush, the people who were milk toast stand in the middle of the road you're going to get hit by a truck. The people who didn't have a view of the world. We're the least happy of all right because you're just living in madness
0: you know i have to tell you one of the saddest so i after i, I post these episodes i go through the comments on youtube just to see how everyone's feeling and and um i had done an episode with Allie Stuckey, yeah. you know, she's great, right? And we were just talking about feminism and and how it's become so much of a scam. And one comment that we got under it, which was so disheartening, was a woman, she said, you know, um, I wish that an episode like this was out when I was young. I fell for the scam of feminism in my youth, um, and I am now single, alone, on antidepressants. You know, if, for all the young women that are watching this, please know that what society is telling you throughout your entire life will eventually lead you on a path of unhappiness. And at my heart, like, just reading this comment, because... I know that, right? And I try to tell women when I speak to them now, go look at the, the, the person in society that you think is the ultimate feminist and ask yourself one question. Do you think she's happy? Right? Do you think Chelsea Handler is happy? Do you think Kathy Griffin is, is happy? Do you think Sarah Silverman is happy? Right? And if your answer is no, then you should know that you are on a path that is going to eventually lead to loneliness and misery.
1: Right? Well, you know, Gloria Steinem told us in the second wave feminism, she said, a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. And you look at all the rest of human history and you say, no, uh, men and women need each other. <laughs> so all of human history everywhere for all time, men and women need each other and they like being together. Gloria Steinem in the nineteen sixties and feminists saying, women don't need to get married. What do you think is going to lead to a better outcome? What I mean and we just know from the social science. We know that married people are happier, are much happier right. on average. And There are so, I mean, this is such a great time to be discussing feminism because you're watching it implode in real time. You're watching two pillars of the left collide and they they can't stand forever. One is feminism. One is transgenderism. You can have one or the other. You can't have both. You cannot have both. One of them says men and women are different. Women have been systematically oppressed by men and we're righting historical wrongs and yada, yada, yada. The other one says... There's no difference between men and women. Men can be women, women can be men. Gender is simply socially constructed. Actually, there are many genders and there are no genders at all. They can't simultaneously be true.
0: Right. You can't be se- fighting the patriarchy at the very same time that you're inviting the patriarchy to take in to take over everything that women have accomplished over the last 100 years.
1: What is patriarchy if there's no sexual difference? I mean, moreover, <laughs> what are women if there's no sexual difference? Right. Right. Wi- women In the old days, look, I'm a little older than you, Candice. I remember in the old (laughs) days, women used to be defined as not men. Right. <laughs> now, now, now there's a secondary definition. It. Now now the secondary definition is also sometimes men. Right. How do you, what does that even mean?
0: Right. And and I actually have to say this because I mean, I even I'm actually like staunchly conservative when it comes to the trans debate and people say, "Oh, well, even if a person is trans, you should have the decency and the respect to call them by their preferred pronoun." I don't play that game. And what I always say to people is, if you have a mental disorder, that's fine. You know, I don't need to come up to you and tell you that I think you have a mental disorder. That would be rude. Right. But when you have a Mental disorder, and you're now requiring that I have a mental disorder, right, to, to, to meet your mental disorder. That doesn't work for me. Which is to say that if somebody was walking around as a schizophrenic and saying that they were Superman, and then telling me that I was required to treat them like Superman, I wouldn't play the game. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel about trans. I think the the slope is so slippery, and they find that to be bigotry. No, I don't need. To, I'm not going to call you she. I'm not going to call you her just because you're a grown man and you're wearing a wig and a dress. That right. that's literally telling me that I am now required to have a mental disorder because you have one.
1: Uh, you know, I try to. To do it in public, where I I will not use the the fake pronoun. So now now it's so confusing because if there's a man who thinks he's a woman and you refer to him as a man, what the culture tells you is you are misgendering him. Right. The right. only the only people misgendering anybody are the ones pretending the man is a woman. That's correct. So I refuse to refer to the man as she. However, in a in an interpersonal, if we were at a dinner party or something, I will use whatever language he wants me to use to refer to him in the same way that if there were a schizophrenic at a dinner party, I would indulge the delusion that there were voices speaking. I mean, it is a... Obviously, it's a psychological condition. But what the left wants is to have their cake and eat it too. They want to say this is a very serious psychological condition, and you have to indulge it. Also, you want you have to treat it as though it's objectively true. Right. That's where change I change the
0: bathroom signs right. now, right? Change because the this person, signs. Th- this this person now needs to feel like there's a place for them to go that's safe. And I'm like, could you imagine a world? Take it, take it out of the trans debate, where we had to now accommodate everyone that was suffering with schizophrenia, and we needed to make the world look like as they were seeing it or the voices that they were hearing. We we needed to um, basically get on our knees and, and um, support whatever it is that they were saying. People would say that was that was crazy that that was nuts, but they they think it's different somehow with the trans debate. And I don't know why the trans debate is now being steamrolled into the LGB debate. I'm well, like, I,
1: I know exactly why. Because it's, it's well, it's because first of all, the real irony here is that if transgenderism is true, then there's no such thing as homosexuality. Because what, That's to be gay is to say, I'm a man and I'm sexually attracted to men. I'm a woman. I'm sexually attracted to women. If there's no such thing as men and women, there's no such thing as homosexuality. Right. Now, <laughs> the, the thing I always struggled with on, this, on the transgender question is I say 0.2% of the population have this condition, very, very small. Why is it that the left monolithically has tried to make this issue dominate our national debate. Why are we having this massive cultural debate over a a very rare condition that affects a very small number of people? And it's because it's the key to everything. What the left denies is objective reality, moral reality, now in this case physical reality. According to their preferred ideology, the intersectional ideology, the victimhood ideology, the only reality is the reality of one's suffering, the reality of one's oppression. So you say, you don't know me. You don't know my pain. If you disagree with me, you're, it's not a simple disagreement. You are erasing my lived experience. This is my subjective feeling is, is much more knowable than objective reality. So they say that on the one side, and now what the left is trying to do, it's such a sleight of hand, is they are trying to take the objective world redefine it as subjective feeling and then redefine it as objective reality. And the way they're doing this, you see it very clearly, is on the new SAT, the test that kids take for colleges. This is a standardized test. I'm so test. glad
0: you're talking about this.
1: It, it, is, it is leftism in a nutshell. Right. You take a standardized test. The definition of a standardized test is everybody takes it. It's an even playing field. And they add an adversity score. They try to measure the suffering that a student has gone through. I don't know how they're going to do this. If you grew up poor in a crime-ridden neighborhood, but you had two parents, did you suffer more than a rich kid who grew up and his parents died? I, how do you measure that suffering? It's it's inherently a, a subjective measurement, right. It's a subjective feeling. They want to redefine that as objective, because to the left, it's just about power. Right. If you can look at something objectively and measure it, then we can have a real debate about it. We can have arguments. If you can't, if you take that away, if you exalt subjective feeling as the only measurement that we're talking about, then it's just about power. It's about who can shout someone down. It's about who can censor someone. It's about who can force their will on the the entirety of the people. And we're seeing that play out. All throughout our politics.
0: And, and what are they going to do with that? So so I get a higher, obviously, I get a higher adversity score obviously. than you. Obviously, right? Like, I'm like, 100%, percent <laughs> you got to be at zero, right? And then what are they going to do? Does that mean that I now get to go to Harvard because I struggled more? Like, is that, I mean, where, where is it going? What? What, where, what, do, what do you think their end goal with is that with the adversity score?
1: Well, it's so insidious because what they say is, some students who don't do well on the SAT overcame more than students who did well on the SAT.
0: So they don't sure, know the yeah. answers still. So, so right. It doesn't matter what you went through. So the, 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 what we're looking at is you still don't know the answers. Forget the reasons why. It shouldn't matter, right? You don't know the answers, right? You weren't smart enough to get these answers correct. So what are enough. they going to do with that? They're well, just going to allow these people to get into schools that they don't deserve to be in?
1: Right. Well, and this creates a whole host of problems. You get schools who are mismatched for the university that right. they are going to and they flunk out and they end up with a lot of debt. But even beyond that, Schools already take into account a lot of subjective measurements. They take into account race. They take into account sex. They, they take into account neighborhood. They shouldn't. Perhaps they shouldn't, they shouldn't, but they do.
0: You should, you should just be taking a test. That's it. I actually think all of it needs to go away. I'm, I'm really against affirmative action because, I mean, I study uh, Dr. Thomas Sowell, and he just breaks down how affirmative action has actually led to a, a more harmful results for smart, relatively mm-hmm. smart uh, black students. And he talks about his experience, I think it was at Cornell. Um, and uh, he was a professor at Cornell for a bit. And he found out that something like 50% of all of the black students were on academic probation. And so he went to go figure out why it was they were on academic probation and what it was. What was, was that they were systematically mismatched, right? Mm. So while these these 50% of the black students were actually 70% smarter than everybody in the nation, right? 70% right. not smarter. Right. They weren't smarter than the people that they were going to school with at Cornell. So they were at the bottom of their class in terms of the school that they were mismatched to go into. But if they had gone anywhere else, they would have been at the top of their class. Summa cum laude. Yes, exactly, exactly. And, and so it actually harms them, and it hurts their self-confidence. And they feel dumb when, in fact, they are smart.
1: And the other side, uh, Clarence Thomas talks about this a lot. He talked about it in his memoir. Clarence Thomas, one of the smartest guys in the entire country, he goes to Yale Law School, then the best law school in the country. Did very well there and he had trouble finding a job. And the reason he had trouble finding a job is because people assumed because he was black that he benefited from affirmative action policies to get into Yale. And he, he said at that moment he knew that the value of his law degree was nothing. It was worthless because it had been tainted by race discrimination right. now the reason that i don't go all the way on affirmative action as you do is then i ask the question what about legacies what about athletes what about there are all these other subjective measures
0: kind of against it all, Ga- ag- I'm all kind of against it all You're like the
1: exact yeah. opposite of the left because yeah. the left acknowledges there are all of these subjective things we all take into account daddy buys a building and you get to go in that's not fair and that but the there was one standardized measure and they're trying to get rid of that one too right. and you want to make that standardized measure. Well, I actually the only thought measure.
0: so to just talk about the the debate of what's going on college campuses, I think it's pointedly ridiculous and I know I didn't have a, a popular opinion here that these parents are going to jail for something that we all know exists. Right. Right? Like I mean it's like <laughs> yeah. bizarre. Like I'm like why are we pretending that America is this place where everything's fair? We've we've all known that there are parents that pay to get their kids in the school if mm. they want to get into, right? Like in America, capitalism I mean money can really buy you anything. And we know that people buy buildings the only reason why this is a scandal is because this time the university was cut out of it.
1: Right. right? And, I mean, like <laughs> That's and the, the truth. These parents, they weren't rich enough to buy a building. Right, they were right. only rich enough to bribe a coach or to cheat on the SAT. But it's the same thing, in, the same in, in, thing. My, in
0: my opinion. But so one person who was kind of debating this with me, which was my fiance, um, well, I, I he, what did he say to me? I think he told me that what about... Where, what they're able to do with that money once the person you know buys the building do mm. they then use that money for scholarships for people and i'm like probably not
1: yeah <laughs> well these do you know what they use it for these days is to fund the dean of diversity and probably inclusion the football team. <laughs> I think it's these bloated administrators. Right. You get the deputy assistant, deputy deputy assistant dean of diversity and inclusion in rainbows, and the whole point <laughs> of that job is to stir up political chaos on campus, and when Candace comes to town or I come to town, they organize protests and they encourage students to disrupt the event. That's their whole job, right. is to break down the foundation of the university. I mean, I'm, I'm basically at the point with this where I think we need to have the states totally defund those administrations, where I think that alumni of private universities need to pull their money uh, until those Totally unnecessary. Administrative offices are
0: gone. 100%. I say this all the time. Stop funding the problem. Start funding the solution. Uh, Stop funding the problem and start funding the solution. You have these people that are like, oh, but that's my alma mater. I don't care. This is not the same school you went to. This is a far left, crazy university. And they want to burn down the place if a conservative comes and speaks. The fact that we have to sneak through kitchens and back doors for me to say, black people don't have to be Democrats. Right? When you talk about an objective truth, like, yeah, no, black people shouldn't have to be Democrats. How dare you, Candace? And, and and men and women are different. I mean, these are objective truths, and we're not allowed to go speak. And yet, let someone who actually is controversial, someone like Linda Sarsour, th- th- you know, they roll out the red carpet and they go, oh, this is diversity. Mm-hmm. They don't believe in, in, in diversity of ideas.
1: Well, of course not. And by the way, I'm only blaming the administration here because it's true, the students, the ones that yell at you and yell at me, they are bratty, they're stupid, they're ignorant, they're misbehaved. Sure. That's basically the definition of a student. And it's true. The professors are Marxist and wacko and eccentric and crazy. That's pretty much the definition of a professor. (laughs) The administrators used to be the adults in the room. They used to be the ones saying, nope, can't do that. Don't do that. We've got to protect the university. We have to protect free exchange of ideas. And now, what are they doing? They're the ones encouraging the madness. Right. It is as though the inmates are running the asylum. Right. And it's it's very important. I know I'm, this is sort of an unpopular conservative view. I love liberal education. I think people should go to college and study completely useless things like English <laughs> and history and philosophy. And the reason is the liberal arts, very literally, are the arts of freedom. They are the arts for freedom, Interesting. a free society needs to know itself. It needs to know its history. It needs to know where its ideas come from, Mm -hmm. needs to know why we have the system of government that we do. A free society without liberal education will not remain free for very long.
0: But the problem with liberal education, though, is, in my opinion, is that when you start taking these weird classes, like I was forced to take Feminism 101, right, is that what it leads to is people that don't know how to be functional in society.
1: And by the way, I, I would I would just differentiate. I don't I know they call that liberal education yeah. now. That's ideological indoctrination.
0: Okay, okay. that's
1: not. I mean, w- really, liberal education has been blotted out almost entirely in this country. But it, it
0: seeps in even in English, right? So I had oh, to yeah. take that because that was a that was a requirement for an English degree, right? So there, yeah. even the books you'll read, right? So I I, I majored in English and journalism. Even the books that they're going to pick for you to read in in an English class is going to be something that is that is laced with political and ideology. It's
1: all, you know, in the in the old days when you would read when you take an English class. You would read the poem, read the book, read the novel, and try to learn something from it, try to get something. Now when you read it, it's what the literary critic Harold Bloom called the school of resentment. Mm -hmm. You just, you hate what a sexist, bigot William Shakespeare was. I mean, now at Yale, you can graduate summa cum laude, 4.0, with a degree in English. And never read Shakespeare.
0: I, it's it's unbelievable. That is unbelievable. I had a, a woman who went through Yale. She showed up at one of our events, one of our on-campus events at UConn, and she had done eight years of school and said she had never heard a conservative opinion until she showed up in that room. That's terrifying. I mean, I I, believe it. And she said because of that, she was inspired because she showed up to this event because she wanted to hear conservative ideas and she couldn't believe how sane they were. And and despite what she had been told and that that conservatives weren't even allowed to give their opinions. And the reason for that is because we make so much sense, right? So the only way to make sure that conservative ideology doesn't spread is to make sure that it it never is even embodied to to even be heard. You never
1: hear the idea. Yeah, don't hear the idea. This is why the left told us they were doing this. We should have listened. We should have paid attention. They said they were going to have a long march through the institutions. They were going to hollow out, in particular, the universities, also the media, also the press. But in these universities, they took liberal education and then they went inside it like a sick zombie and they turned it into zombie education, which kind of looks like liberal education. It kind of walks like liberal education, but it's not. It's been rotted out from the inside. And so where you used to get history, now you get political polemic, Howard Zinn, the School of Resentment, a, an ideological indoctrination, a a skimming of history that tells you your history is bad, your culture is bad, your literature is bad, the way you look is bad, your religion is bad. It it gets you to hate your past. It's no coincidence that the even presidential candidates now on the left are saying we need to rename Jefferson Memorials. We need to knock down statues. George Orwell predicted this. He said in 1984, the character of Winston says, when you get rid of history, when you get rid of the past, there is nothing that came before. There is only the eternal present in which the party is always right. Ten years ago, feminism was the most important thing we could possibly hear about. Right? All Girl power, I'm woman, hear me roar. Ten years later, there's no such thing as a woman. There's no such thing as a man. You say, wait a second. Ten years ago, you just told me I had to be a feminist. Now you tell me I have to deny gender altogether. They say, no, that, forget the past. That was then, this is now. Whatever I tell you is right.
0: That's really scary. That's really scary. And, and when you're talking about wiping out the passion, you know what I think of? I think of Game of Thrones. This is why the Night King wanted to kill Bran. Right? <laughs> this is why the Night King wanted to kill Bran. Because if, if you really want to bring death and destruction, there can be no past. There can be no history. Right. You have to make sure there is no memory of the way things were. And that's what we're actively seeing take place. But I, I'll still challenge you on thinking that the liberal education system can be good. Because like I said, every single one of those courses is tainted history. If you want to talk Nowadays, about history yeah. in the public education sphere, I went through public education. I learned historically that Republicans and conservatives are the racists.
1: Well, because. Democrats- The switched. Right. You remember when they switched? The the
0: mythological, I learned that, actively (laughs) learned that. People aren't just thinking this out of their own mind. They're learning that in school. They're learning that in history classes. So they're pretending it's history. They're giving it a name, which is what the left loves to do. They call things something, right, that it's absolutely not. Planned parenthood. No, it's escaping parenthood.
1: Reproductive rights. It's the opposite of reproduction.
0: Exactly. And they do this in the same, in in classes as well. It's not actually history. It's just, it's, it's rewritten Mm -hmm. history. The way that they want you to believe it. And what they're essentially doing is making people feel appropriate press before they even try, mm-hmm. right? And then if, if you can break down someone's character and like I say for blacks, like we learn how to be victims in school. They are creating victims in the, through via the public education system because it gives them a permanent class of voters, right? They say, we know that if we can get you and from a time that you're 18 years old, whether you make it to college or not, you're going to come out there you're going to feel oppressed, you're going to feel angry, you're going to feel bitter, you're going to feel emotional, and that means that we're going to be able to get your votes. Mm-hmm. And and that's why it's so easy for black Americans to fall for this idea every four years, that white is keeping them back when in fact it's because we haven't even been given an education. We've just been taught how to be oppressed. That is
1: such a great point. It's this insistence and focus on suffering. This is what the left does. They say the worst possible thing, the greatest evil in the world is suffering. It's how they justify abortion. They say if a baby's unwanted, he's born, he's gonna be poor, he's gonna to go to foster care, he's gonna suffer, therefore it's better to kill him. If someone is elderly and they've got some ailments and they're suffering, better to kill them. You are a victim, you are suffering, it's the worst thing ever, we have to rip apart our entire system. They forget a few things. One, everybody suffers. Every, it is a fact of life, it is the tragic fact of life. You will suffer. Everyone does it, the richest guy in the world, the poorest guy in the world. The other fact they ignore is that suffering is, is not does not have a moral value in and of itself. Suffering is neither good nor evil. It is a fact of life and your reaction to suffering is the moral quality. You can react to suffering in a way that is good, noble, courageous, edifying, builds you up, will let you have a great life. Some of the greatest people in all of history have overcome the greatest adversity. You can do it that way. Or you can whine and grow resentful and say, I, uh, society's out to get me, or the man is out to get me, or this race, or this sex, they're out to get me, everything's unfair, wah, 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 and you can sit in your room and cry and feel sorry for yourself. Right. Th- that is the worst thing you could possibly tell somebody, is to go do that. It's, it will destroy their lives. And there is there isn't a political agenda in this country right. to tell whole classes of people, that that's the case
0: yeah and, and that's and I try to figure out why like what, what is the purpose behind that why not want people to embrace their futures to work hard and to have everybody be happy right I mean of course not every single person in the entire world is going to be happy but we have a pretty good system here you know in America and we do reward people based on the merit of their ideas how hard they work and if you can get everybody to this point of feeling confident enough to go out there and try we, we would have a society full of basically happy people mm-hmm. and I think to myself why does the left want to undo that is this really just about power do you think
1: Yes, I think it's about power because you can't, in a society that can talk to each other, in a society that agrees on terms, that uses the same language, where language isn't constantly changing, you can have a conversation and good arguments will beat out bad arguments. There was, there's a great scene in Alice in Wonderland where Humpty Dumpty is talking to Alice and he says, in my language, words mean whatever I say that they mean. And Alice says, Humpty Dumpty, the the question is, can words really mean all of those things? And Humpty Dumpty says, the, the real question is, which is to be master? That is all. Are you master by changing the definition of words like the left does? Mm-hmm. Or are you master by using words as they really mean, by their true definitions, as conservatives tried to do? In a, in a society that functions, that agrees on reality, you can do that, and good ideas are going to be bad ideas. And in a culture that is basically happy, grateful, aware of our own brokenness and fallenness as human beings, happy for this wonderful life that we've been given, appreciative of our material blessings and our spiritual blessings, a a culture that loves its neighbors, a culture that loves its history and its land and and where we all come from. That culture is going to be much less susceptible to radical change.
0: That's exactly right. It's
1: not going to accept the left's agenda of knocking down all the buildings. I mean, literally, the Green New Deal, would knock down all the buildings that's
0: progressive what do you mean that's
1: it's progressive to start society anew that's what they want
0: yeah burn it all down that's That's, progressive
1: that's the only way that they can enact their agenda burn it all to the ground it's
0: absolutely insane so I think it's, it's we're both agreeing here that it's, it's tremendously difficult for people to kind of grow up in this society when we're seeing such a, a breakdown in structure. And one of the things that I wanted to ask you because you you just got married recently, I did. We're You're the same about age. Are we married. both the same age? I
1: think so. 29. 89. A lady doesn't tell her name. I just
0: I just turned thirty. I'm wow. born in eighty nine. Are you eighty
1: nine? I ninety i am am a I'm Aww, a ninety baby. Young, yeah, I know. Um, young, tell me, what am yeah. I? I mean, what do I have to look forward to?
0: Right. <laughs> exactly. I'll I'll let you know. But so a lot of this women don't know what they're looking for anymore. And I think a really good question to ask you is, what do men want in this day and age? Right. Because, How blue can
1: I go? I mean, right. is this a family no, no, program. No,
0: you just just <laughs> answer the question because I, I got all of these more liberal girlfriends who are on these dating apps and they're swiping right and desperately, by the way, these are these are the girls that would call themselves feminists. Mm-hmm. All they want is a husband. Right. Why? What is what is the purpose of all of these girls being on in dating apps? They're not going to sleep with men. They're hoping that he's the one, right? That he's the one, he's the one. They're right. swiping right. Um, and... The question now is that especially with feminism it makes it hard for men and women to just have a conversation about what it is they're actually looking for. Women are not looking for for more f- sexual freedom. That's a myth. I can right. tell you that. The right. scam of that the, the girls that are get to 26 and don't have a partner are freaking out. It's they're- the
1: greatest scam that men ever played on women. We convinced them that giving men free, cheap, easy sex with no <laughs> accountability at all was somehow empowering. And I don't know how we did it. Right, right. <laughs> Fellas, you must be sorcerers to M- do this.
0: M- Emma, what is her name? Emily Rotodjowski is like, I'm, oh, right? no. I'm going to, to uh, protest men by taking my top off. Uh, she
1: really showed us. <laughs> Please stop, beautiful model. Please stop posting those nude photos on the internet. Oh, no, I can't take it anymore.
0: Ladies, I think men might be winning. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs>
1: you know what men want? There are two levels to this. On the one hand, we just want to sit on the couch. That's all we want. I just want to sit on the couch. I want to go home after work. I want to sit down, and I kind of want to go slack-jawed and drool a little bit. <laughs> Maybe have a drink. I don't want to do anything. That's what men, I think, naturally have this kind of base appetite to do. It's just like hang around. You see this in Genesis. I mean, actually, what God says, listen, men, you're going to want to sit on the couch and do nothing, but you actually have to work. You actually have to go out. You have to love your wife. What will fulfill men? What men want in a higher sense and in the long term is to succeed, to overcome, to love, to protect, to be cared for, to be nurtured. We want all of the things that just coincidentally, every society for all of history everywhere in the world has shown us that men want. And men and women complement one another. They go together very well. It's a, it's a very nice thing. Right. If, if, I know we deny this fact now. We're told men and women are exactly the same. We're not, first of all. And it's very nice that men and women compliment each other. (laughs) Bigot. Banned from Facebook. (laughs) And the stream went down. (laughs) Right. But men and women do want different things. This comes in the realm of sex. This comes in the professional world. This comes in, in the personal world. And unfortunately, what our culture is doing is telling men, don't, don't care for anybody. Don't take on any responsibility. Don't feel like you have to succeed. Don't make any money. Don't build anything. Sit around, play video games, and watch porn. Right. That's what the culture tells men. And so men say, oh, great, I'll play video games and watch porn all day. Ultimately, that will destroy your soul. It will destroy your life. What do they tell Women. What do women want? You tell me.
0: Uh, well, let's see. If if I was listening to the scam of feminism today, it would say, go out and be like men. Be the most productive that you can be. You should want to work for the next 50 years and provide for your family. You can do it without a man. Adopt a child. You shouldn't want to pursue marriage. Marriage is bondage. Um, and that's pretty much the scam of and, and the myth of feminism, right? But at their core, I think all of these women are running around thinking that they just want men to see them. But men don't want these radicalized women that are saying, if we have children, I'm going to let them pick their gender. Right. I mean that's like
1: having little babies is the new term. (laughs) It's not he or she, it's babies. Yeah. And there I mean, we now have the social scientific data. Since second wave feminism, since the nineteen seventies, women have become less happy. Not just relative to men, which is also true, but in absolute terms. And the left is shocked by this. They say, No, but now women have all of these new ideologies. Right, and it's making them miserable maybe something's wrong with that ideology of feminism. What do you think about the over-sexualized culture? So if you were
0: on a a Tinder date and I'm like, yeah, you know, I've slept with like 25 guys. I'm, you know, I'm free. Yeah, I always use protection though. You know, it's, come on, it's 2019, Michael. It's 2019. (laughs) Well, Candice,
1: I have to ask, are you asking me, at 20 or at 29? Are no. you asking me? In, because it's very alluring to a lot of men. I mean, right. I, I'm sort of joking about how men convince women to be feminists and give them free sex. <laughs> but for if you're an 18 to, I don't know, if you're a guy in college, for instance, how do you say no to that? Especially in this culture, which tells you have sex young, have sex a lot. That's all you got to do. Sex, sex, sex.
0: But would you marry her? Of course not. Of course not. Of course not.
1: Nobody, I mean, nobody would... I think women are the same way. No woman looks at a man who's just sleeping around with, you know, a different woman every night and says, ah, yes, that's the man I want to raise my children. Right. Oh, what a great role model it he'll feels be. feels
0: irresponsible. Of course. Like you can't, you're not going to be able to take care of the home because you can't take care of yourself.
1: And the, the uh, obsession with sex is not accidental. The obsession, I mean, sex is, it's the, the earliest profession, or the two earliest professions are prostitution and politics, and they're very similar. It's It's essential <laughs> to our nature sex is is fundamental to who we are. It can also become an addiction. you know when when Tiger Woods got into trouble a few years ago because it turns out that the greatest athlete in the world was sleeping with beautiful women, we all <laughs> joked about it, so oh yes, he must have a horrible addiction it 's called being really rich and good looking and athletic. <laughs> goes home with a lot of women. But sex really can become an addiction, and in this culture we 're actually finding out millennials and Gen Z are having a lot less sex than Gen X and the baby boomers. You think we're having more sex. No, everyone is just hooked on porn. Wow. Everybody, it, and it is a culture that is literally masturbatory. That is That becomes an addiction. I mean, you, you now see this all throughout the country and throughout the world. This is happening in Japan and other places. Like any other drug, people are becoming hooked on sex and hooked on porn. And what an addiction does is it causes you to stop thinking it enslaves you. It, right. it, it makes you prone to certain behavior. And when you're not thinking, that's when the people who want to grab power can come in and force it on you.
0: And I, th- I actually think that a big conduit for that is uh, social media, right? I mean, I I my least favorite social media platform is Instagram. I just, I'm, I'm like, I'm too cerebral for this. I'm not going to show my boobs. I'm not going to be able to get a following. <laughs> right? Well, you know, you're lucky.
1: <laughs> you can get a following by having a good show. I do have to show my boobs on Instagram. <laughs> so I do what I have to do to succeed.
0: <laughs> I, but I, like, I resent I it. I liked all of those photos. And you Thank should you. resent it. You should resent it. But it's true. I mean, there's, it, there's nothing cerebral anymore. And, and I, I think that um, it makes it really hard for kids to grow up because they're comparing themselves to things that are airbrushed. I mean, look mm. at what children are doing to their faces before they even turn 18. Right. And my heart broke for Kylie Jenner. You know, people were making fun of her. But I said to myself, she's growing up in a society that we didn't have to grow up in, right? Mm-hmm. Facebook was when we were in high school. Right. We just got Facebook when we were in high school. So we did. We were afforded a childhood right. uh, for a very long time. I don't think you get that same childhood when you when you are given Instagram and Facebook and Snapchat. I mean, there are eleven year olds that are killing themselves over Snapchat yeah. because the internet is forever. Because now you're comparing yourself. Like I never cared about how I looked. I was like a scruffy tomboy. When I don't believe I, that I for was a, a scruffy, second. Get out of I here. swear I was a scruffy tomboy. I wanted to just like run around with the boys. <laughs> Thankfully, my mom didn't shave my head and tell me that oh yes, so that's you. Yes, literally like I, I wanted to be a boy. I used to like try to make my voice deeper. This is like totally bizarre stuff wow. that I've never told anybody. But I was in I was uh, in 5th grade, like pre, you know, pre-pubescent, and like the guys, you should just like play kickball harder and I used to like run around with the guys. And then I got into middle school and puberty happened and I was like, "Oh wait, I want to be a girl."
1: So you're saying that when you were 10 years old, 9 years old and you wanted to play around with the boys yep. and you were your parents didn't pump you full of hormones and change your pronouns they and either. dress you up like a boy and 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 you just grew out of it.
0: Yeah, I just, I just uh, wow. grew out of it. It God, was. Weird. You should write a
1: scientific paper on this. <laughs> I, know, I know, it's Gosh. really
0: bizarre. It's bizarre. I just grew out of it, and it turns out once I hit puberty, I was a girl, and I was very happy to be a girl. And thank you, because all I would want to be, if I could pick every day, would be a woman. <laughs> um, but yeah, and 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 that sort of is the testament of growing up and 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 being young. But I do think that children today aren't given that; they're not allowed to be young. They're they're being told and and. and I guess, driven into so many different directions mm-hmm. because of the internet. And now we have parents that are crazier and putting uh, more pressure on their children. And I just think it's sad. I think it's, it's scary for me, being someone that wants to have children, to think about, how do you bring them up in this society where there is no structure, where there is social media, and where all of these demands are sort of like, do you, do you homeschool your child?
1: Right, and you're told that, that basically life is meaningless. I mean, this is when you talk about what people are doing to their bodies and their faces and all this, I was at an Apple store about six months ago and the guy I was talking to had like a zillion tattoos and a ton of piercings and things like that and he had two tattoos on his finger. genius bar? Yes, he was a genius oh yeah this guy was a real genius he had one tattoo which was a little tiny mustache on his finger and then he had another one that said a bad word Said I'll say stuff stuff cray and those tattoos totally meaningless tattoos I have a friend who on her kneecaps has a grapefruit and a watermelon deep uh, really deep and it's the it's obviously sort of hilarious, but on a cultural level, what it means is that people don't care. They think that their body isn't worth anything. They think I'll just throw some random design on there that symbols don't mean anything that we I mean, our bodies are symbols of our souls. They don't really mean anything. You can just write whatever on them. And it gets to this bigger cultural problem. We don't understand that there's a purpose in life our bodies have a purpose. We have a purpose. This coffee cup has a purpose. It's to hold coffee and to keep me awake for this morning interview. <laughs> it's, we don't understand. The microphone has a purpose. I talk into it and it transmits the audio. It isn't just craziness. And what the left wants to tell us is that life is a fundamentally a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. And what conservatives have always understood is Maybe there is a purpose to life. Maybe all this beauty that I see and this love that I feel for my friends and the joy that I feel when I do something good and my conscience and my sense of right and wrong, maybe it's not just an illusion. Maybe it's actually real and I should orient my life that way. That's the battle that's going on right now. Because in a world of chaos and meaninglessness, cynical people can steal power and get you to do what they want you to do.
0: That's exactly right. And, and, and there is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in a nutshell, I literally her in a nutshell.
1: So I mean, she says you don't have to be factually correct to be morally right.
0: Um, that was stunning. I, I think it even took Anderson Cooper back. Like he, he looked at it and was like, well, well facts do matter a little bit, right? No, and please, it, right? Yeah, like he was, that's a softball interview for her. So if you've if you got him saying something to you, or Jake Tapper, who also was kind of like, mm, but where are you getting all this money from? You're not doing a very good job. Um, okay, well, you're brilliant.
1: Stop it. I, you you're, are, I love it. Brilliant. I mean, people.
0: Yeah. I mean, your show is great, you really do, and you work really hard at it. Like, people don't know that you actually sit down and you write it, and it's like, you do, I, I mean. Slave, no, I have a huge team
1: of 50 writers right. no, that No, it's in. great.
0: And it's such good commentary. And it's thought-provoking stuff. And I think that more voices like ours, I think at our age, it's just a scary time. We are going, we are going to be birthing the kids now. This is the society that our kids are going to grow up in, right? Like we, this is, this is it. Um, So we wrap every episode by allowing you to launch a vibration into the world. okay. speak into this camera and you have to pretend that every single person in the world will hear what you are about to say for the next two minutes. It will fall upon their ears and it will become their deep truth. Give them wisdom. Are you ready? Do we have two minutes on the clock? On your mark, get set. Michael knows giving the world wisdom now.
1: I'm sorry, I was trying to do it like my blank book. I'll I'll do it with words now. I'll do it with words. The most important thing that you have to remember is that life has purpose. S- things in this world have meaning. The people who are telling you that, oh, this little thing doesn't matter. Oh, engage in this activity. Oh, r- disregard your education. Oh, don't worry about this thing. There is a purpose behind that. The people who tell you human life doesn't matter, The people who tell you pronouns don't matter. It's just a little thing. It's just a little change in language. Don't worry about it. You have to ask yourself, why are they so interested in it? If the little pronoun doesn't matter, if the little new word that they're trying to have me say doesn't matter, if the change to the history textbook doesn't matter, why are they putting so much focus on it? Why are they spending so much energy to convince me to do it? These little things matter. Our language matters. Our little behaviors matter. The way that we react to our country, the way we salute the flag, the way that we stand for the national anthem, the way that we go to church on Sunday, it all matters. It all adds up either to a free society to the country that we know and the country that we love and the relationships that we have that give us joy or to the radical new ideology that will destroy all of those things the threats are intense the uh, Ernest Hemingway described bankruptcy as happening gradually then suddenly that's what's happening In our country, you're seeing the advance of a destructive leftism that has been happening gradually for a century, and it is happening suddenly right now. It's affecting our language. It's affecting our relationships. It's affecting all of our institutions. It's affecting our politics. If we don't wake up to that and realize how high the stakes are, we're going to wake up one day and see that our whole culture is gone. Was that that two minutes?
0: amazing. Wow, seven seconds left. One
1: fifty-three.
0: Amazing. Also
1: by my book. There we go. Did that, I finish the two a minutes? That's
0: <laughs> By his book. What, what's the title?
1: Uh, reasons to Vote for Democrats. Reasons
0: to Vote for Democrats. A completely blank it comprehensive guide. It is guide. totally a blank comprehensive guide, and there are tons of no reasons that you should go through. Buy that book today. <laughs> Candace, always so good to I see love you. It. I know. You have so much wisdom. What <laughs> no, do you I, mean, like, I, I love the way you break down certain things. Thank you guys for watching the latest episode of The Candace Owens Show. I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. As many of you guys already know, PragerU is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, which means we need your help to keep all of our content free to the public. Please consider making a tax deductible donation today. I would really appreciate your support.